Isn't God good? I, I, I'm, I'm still preaching a sermon called The Last Day's Church, and we're going to probably finish up today. And I'm preaching a sermon called What's Wrong with Wrong? I realize that what I'm reading, I'm reading stuff about the days we're living in, and one of the reasons that I'm doing this is because I want you to be aware of the time you're in. Everything is different now. We cannot live the same way we did 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. Things have changed. In 70 years, I want you to think about, and some of y'all, I realize that you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Well, some of us in here remember what it was like to turn on a television set and the people sitting at the table at dinner was a husband, a wife, and a family. Do y'all remember when rock music, they had suits on? You remember the, remember the, um, the, the Beatles on, um, was it Red Skelton and Ed Sullivan? They were in suits. There was a time in America when they didn't even kiss on television. You know what? What happened to this nation, and I want, I want y'all to pay attention because we're going to go someplace real powerful today. What happened to this nation did not happen fast. It happened slowly. And I'm not saying this to bring any kind of condemnation on anybody, but anytime Satan wants to bring something in the earth, he, gets, he does a certain amount of wrong, and then he gets you used to it. There was a time when someone laid in a bed on television and the church raised sand. Then he got to where it was just normal. Next thing you know, they're kissing in bed and not, and they're showing a little bit of skin. And the church raised sand. How many of y'all saw Gone with the Wind? Do you realize the statement, quite frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn, was one of the first cuss words to ever be put on a film? And the church raised sand. But it wasn't long, it got to be normal. Now, every movie has to have a homosexual partner in it. By law, it's a law. And yet, the church is raising sand, and the world is pushing. Now, think about this for a minute. We're living in a very perilous times. Now, the, this, my sermon today is not a negative, but we have, but you can't stick your head in the dirt and pretend like this is not going on. We have a generation on the earth that doesn't even know that wrong is wrong. They have been in a school system so long and been taught uh, trash for so long. They think you're weird. I mean, they're more interested in straws than people. And they sit around screaming, the sky is falling, the sky is falling because, the, because of global warming, which is a hoax. For all of you young people, it's the sun and you can't fix it. There is a millennial reign. Jesus will be back, 
and the earth is not going to burn up anytime soon. All of those things are a hoax and they're pushed by the prince of this world. And if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it and you'll start being a part of it. So I'm trying my best to show you that it's going on, but I'm going to show you today how for it to not be you. Now I want to read this out of Matthew and uh, 25, and I, I was going to read it all. I did the early service. I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to start, um, is it 24? Yeah, it's 24. Um, with verse 10, no, verse 8. These are the beginning of sorrows. They're going to deliver you to tribulation and kill you. There's going to be people die in the last days. That's not anything new. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended. He's talking here about the world and Christians too. And betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He that endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the earth. So how did all of this happen? And what should we do about this? How do you know you're going to make it? Do you? Do you know you're going to make it? Now, here's, here's why I ask that. You don't realize that all the people in the room think they're doing good, but maybe they're not all doing so good. Y'all got to understand something. Sometimes I'm preaching to, look, I want you to imagine that we're an old Western schoolhouse. I've got kindergarten and 12th grade in one room. I got people from every walk of life. I got people that are walking close to God, and I got people that are, that are right on the border of hell in the same church building. So sometimes I have to say some things that don't apply to you. And so, you know, um, so, so I have to, I got to cover all my bases and assume there's people here right now, they may not be doing too good. And yet I want to rescue them. I want them to turn and go, I know what to do. I know how to get out of this mess. Because the devil is very mean. He'll try everything in his power to discourage you and to, and to break and stop you from your destiny. And that's what I'm after. I don't want you to be a statistic. All right, go to Isaiah 55 verse 20. I want to read this out of the Old Testament. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Did you ever think you'd come into a time when wrong would be called right and right would be called wrong? Did you ever think that we'd come into a time where they would put you in jail because you wouldn't bake a cake for someone who's homosexual? Did you ever think that you'd ever have a student be arrested for praying or a, or a football player arrested for taking a knee at a football game? Do you ever think you'd be in a day whenever wrong would be right and right would be wrong? No. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not trying to scare you. It's going to get worse. You can't sit around with your head in the dirt and pretend like, but Satan is slowly, slowly. Now, I've done something, and I'm not, and I, I recommend you do it. Come in my house if you want to. Take a CD off of any shelf and take it home and look at it. There's no cleavage in it. I don't have sex. I don't, I don't have, um, I just don't have any, I don't, I don't, uh, let me see. Um, Princess Bride, Pride and Prejudice, 
you know, Lisa and I do watch movies, but there may be mild, you know, I thought Pride and Prejudice was pretty intense. It's the only romance movie I ever saw that was real. I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, some of you ladies should be helping me out a little bit. But they were written at a time when people were more moral than they are now. So, so I've just decided that there's just things I don't do. I don't, I, don't, I don't have friends named JoJo that go to the bar, so you won't catch me in there. If you ever see me in a bar, I'm preaching to somebody. Somebody's getting saved. So um, plus, plus I don't, I'm not affected by it. So there's things that don't bother me. I went to the bar. I used to go up in the bars in the, in the red light district in Tulsa and preach the gospel up there. And me and a buddy of mine go into bars and stand up on the bar and preach Jesus. And I got a hold of a hooker one, one day, and her name was Suki. And she asked me if I wanted to make a movie with her. I said, yeah, if we can play, who's gonna, which one of us is going to be Jesus? And the pimp came over and realized that I was not a, a customer and told Suki to go find someone else because, never mind. I was, I was about an inch of getting Suki saved. Okay, some of y'all do <laughs> Go to Romans chapter 1. So there's a lot of things that have not affected me just because I don't hang around there. I don't watch that stuff. Um, people come all the time and say, do you know about so-and-so movie? And I go, nope. I, well, do you know about who won the Oscars? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know one a person from another. Now I know who Copeland is and I know who Joyce Myers is and I do know the weather guy. Good Lord have mercy. That... <laughs> All right. Romans chapter one, what happened? What's happening to the world? Verse 18, chapter one, Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. All right, let me make a statement to you. There's no such thing as an atheist. Don't ever think that you've got to convince someone that there is a God. Atheism proves there is a God because if there was no God, there would be no need for an atheist. I told our last mayor that, and he looked at me like, what? And uh, they had an atheist that wanted to come and pray. I said, to whom? But he wanted equal rights. Oh, the world is nuts, isn't it? And, and you got to have fun with them. Don't get all torqued when atheists start talking. God, they know there's a God. That's why they're all bent out of shape. They're trying to deal with guilt their way without coming to Jesus. They know this because the Bible says God showed it to them. Let's go on. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, God has shown it to them. All right, now let's, I want you all to do an experiment. I want you to find a friend who's a heathen. 
I want you to sit down for the next half an hour and listen to him talk. Let me tell you what your heathen friend will talk to you about. What Jojo did, what he stole, the dope he smoked, the girl he's hitting on. He will, he will go through all ten commandments in his conversation and call it all wrong. And he's not even a Christian, doesn't even go to church. How is it that everybody, and then he'll use God's name that he doesn't believe in a hundred times with the adjective damn. <laughs> now tell me he don't believe in God. So I had a guy one time I was looking at him and I said, well, it's obvious that you're religious. He said, I'm not religious. I said, well, you've been talking about God the whole time we're talking. He said, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, and there's another place. I said, now, you're, now you've gone religious on me and talking about where you're going when you die. I said, why, why, why are you trying to talk to me about God? Sinners are fun. Y'all just haven't got to learn to use to talk to them yet. But they, are, but they believe in God. They believe in right and wrong. And they, they will tell you that out of their own mouth. Jojo stole my TV. Well, when did stealing become wrong? Well, yeah, and then he lied to me. And then he stole my dope. And then he cussed me, son of a gun. As he got, the Bible says they know. They know there's a God. All right, now, now having said that, I got to read this to you. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. I want to show you exhibit one. This is a, a can of Coke. It's 120 million years old. Here's what happened. There was a bang and the water and the fire melted the, the steel and the iron and a seed came up on the shore and it became caramel and sugar and then some leaves fell and turned to paint and 120 million years later, we have Coke. Now y'all think that's funny. What does this prove? This is a creation. Yeah. Honey, somebody had to make it. Yeah. I may not know who made it, but somebody had to do this because it didn't just happen. <laughs> All right, now let's get crazier. Let's say, for instance, that I took a coat. The coat, what's this? That's a simple, how much faith do they have? That's a lot of faith. So let's take a camera. Camera's nothing but the lenses are sand and the, and the plastic is peanuts and soybeans. And so the soybeans and the sand and the, and the water and the fire and one day there was a Kodak. <laughs> now y'all laughing because you know that's, that's insane. And a human's eye is 50,000 times more intricate than a camera. Yeah. And it just happened. 
you got to be real stupid to believe that. But nobody really does believe that. Because the Bible says, now let's read it again. Now, now, next time you get around a heathen, quit trying to prove the Bible's true. They already know the Bible's true. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even the eternal power and Godhead, they are without excuse. So everybody knows right from wrong. Then why is it, what's happened to the mind of a man that causes him to act the way he acts, even though he knows right from wrong. I'm going to read it to you. Because a lot of people are going, what's, ha- what's happening? What's happening in America? And I want to say this. I don't want it to happen to you. Because although they knew God, not knew him like the new birth, they, they knew God, they knew about God. They didn't what? Glorify him. Neither were they what? Thankful. Thankful. Two ingredients to know that you're going to make it. You give God glory and you be thankful. We live in the greatest nation in the world. And I'm saying this to younger people, older people too, but primarily the younger people. The younger generation in this nation has it better than every nation on the earth in the history of the world, and they're the most miserable little punks alive. The average income in Haiti is $20 a month. A month. In Africa, it's $1.12 a month. How bad you got it. We got people right here, right here. You slept in a bed, in an air conditioner. You ate, it's obvious. You drove to church and you're not happy. Somebody done me wrong. What is it going to take to make you happy? Come on, I'm doing a pretty good job. Now, that's, now, when you turn on the television now and all the people, we want free school. Well, I'm going to tell you who's running it. Satan's running it. That's why he wants to give it to you free, so you'll go. Come on, folks. We're dealing with people. And now, now I'm going to say this to y'all. This is a concern of mine. Because, because when's, when's the last time you were thankful for your mom and your dad? I did not say they were perfect. Let's get over that junk. You had a mom and a dad, and they raised you the best they could. When's the last time you thanked God for your parents? When's the last time you went downstairs and told your mom and dad, thank you for the house I live in. Thank you for the bed I sleep in. Thank you for the refrigerator that ain't got a lock on it. Thank you for the school I go to. Thank you for the underoos you bought for me. Thank you for the, listen, 
We're going to have to start getting thankful for what we have. I've been to Haiti where the whole village has one soccer ball and they're happy. You know, the happiest people I've ever met in my life are black kids in Africa. Did you know that? I wished I had enough foresight to have videoed them in school. They sing for hours. They will take sticks and bang on their tables and make music and clap their hands. And they will sing so loud you can hear them a country mile away. And they worship God and they have nothing. It's hard to come home, folks, when you've been in a country where people are happy and they have nothing. Now, see, being unthankful, folks, listen to me. That's one of the very first ways you're spiraling down. When's the last time you thanked your dad? I didn't say he was perfect. He got up and went to work, didn't he? Yeah, he went to work. When's the last time you thanked your mom? Do you have any idea? See, most girls have no idea what mama went through till they have babies. And they come back and go, did you, did you do that? for Honey, honey, I listened to every cry. I cleaned every diaper. I was by your side handed. Do you all understand that the man has to sell the vet and get a van when he has kids? Do you understand what had the sacrifices that men make just to have children and load that van up with all kinds of paraphernalia and, and strollers and rockers and, and, and I mean everywhere you go, you got to move. Just for Joey. And then the wife says, I want another one. <laughs> When's the last time you kids thanked your parents? Come on, guys. We live in a thankless generation around us. And everybody, everybody on the television, they're, they're crying and whining. And they've got it better than anybody else. Now, let me, let's get deeper here. When's the last time you thanked Jesus for taking your place? Yes. Next, next time you see that cross, I want you to say, that was mine. Yes. I, that, I'm supposed to have been the one they nailed on that thing, and he took it for me. When's the last time you stopped and went, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you. Now, let, let me make a statement to you. In fact, we have a great band. We ought not have to prompt you. And I'm going to say something right now. When I, on Sunday morning, if I turn around and see you staring at the ceiling, you're messed up. You were going to hell. And Jesus took your place. Not only that did he shed his blood for you and go to hell. You weren't made righteous. God did not let Jesus come out of hell until he had taken care of your problem. Come on. Now, you know what the greatest act in the world is? Not the, it didn't take much power to make the universe. The greatest display of power was Jesus rising from the dead. Not because Jesus came out of hell. But he had to raise every sinner on the earth from hell at one time. He had to pay the debt of every man that ever lived. 
greatest display of power was to overcome all of hell and bring Jesus up out of hell and him to be born again down in the region of the damned. And he did it for you. When's the last time you gave him glory for it? Hallelujah. Woo! Glory. Now, when he got through with that, if that had not been enough, then he gave you the Holy Ghost. His personal assistant. Not to be in their house with you like David and Saul, but to live on the inside of you and to listen to your mouth. And watch TV with you. Oh, I got, y'all went, what? (laughs) And if that wasn't enough, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God and guaranteed the covenant. So that when, we're going to take communion at the end of the service. Because you can only be saved once. But you can come back to God many times. You can walk in the throne room and go, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And God, there's nothing you've ever done. The blood can't fix it. To guarantee your salvation. Now listen to this. I'm going to read it one more time. Now now listen to this. Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify him. Now listen to my statement. There is a God and you're not him. When the Twin Towers got hit, do you know what Americans said? We will fix it. Hey, no, you can't. You can't save you. You can't heal you. And you can't fix America. There's not one numb nut in Washington that can fix this nation. Now, in the Apollo 13, if y'all see that movie... The only thing I hate about that movie is they cussed. And the astronaut said, we don't cuss. They said, the ones of us on Apollo 13 that were in that capsule, we're Christians, we don't cuss. They had to add it so the world would buy the movie. But did you notice that when they got out there in space and NASA could not get them home, the president of the United States got on television and made an announcement, we've got to pray. And God brought them back. One, I think in like a hundred thousand chance for them to hit the window and that spaceship to come back. It was like taking an arrow and then splitting another arrow at 50 yards. One and the chances were slim to none. And so they said, we got to pray. And God did it. And when the Twin Towers got hit, nobody mentioned God. Not even the church mentioned God. People came to church for a week or two after that, and then they fell back away again. People don't come to God until they realize they're not God. That's why I don't want you to get in that shape before you go, I found out today I'm not God. When I was 21 years of age, now let me tell you the difference between me and the generation now. See, I sowed my wild oats. Now, I'm not saying the younger generation should, but I met Satan. 
I met sickness. I met disease. I met hell. When I got an opportunity to run to Jesus, I ran. And I threw the Playboys away, and I got the dope out, and I got the beer out, and I got a, the rock music out. And, I, and 45 years later, I'm still living for God because I understand the difference between the devil and Jesus. I got this. And I've lived my life to give him glory every day of my life because I know I'm not God. And I can't tell you today. I would, I'd love to tell you the stories that Lisa and I have been through. But they're personal and I can't. But I'll tell you if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be standing right here today. If it was waiting on my faith, I'd be dead. Waiting on my goodness, I'd be dead. And some of you too. You're here because of the goodness of God. Now here's the mistake people made. They didn't give him glory. When's the last time you just stopped and go, I give you glory. I give you honor. I sing praises to your name. You don't have to have a band. You don't even have to have Z88. You don't even have to be able to sing. It's amazing how good you sound in the shower. Look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And the Greek word there is moron. It is. Rick Renner said it was, so he's right. When's the last time you turned on Facebook and went, moron? You're a moron. Uh, yeah, I know. You, Terry, you know how blessed you are. Let's go someplace else now. Are you ready? Go to Daniel chapter 4. Say, not me. I'm going to show you how to stay straight. And it's simple, and it's easy, and it's fun. Are you all ready? I knew you all would like that. Daniel chapter 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house. I was flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid. And the thoughts of my bed and the visions of my head, they troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me. That's happening in Washington right now. That they might make known the interpretation of the dream. And the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in. And I told them the dream and, they, and they, they couldn't make it known. Nobody could tell me what it meant. Verse, verse 8. At last Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar. Bel, Belshazzar. We'll just call him Daniel. According to the name of my God, in him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told him the dream. Belshazzar, the chief of the magicians, because I know the spirit of the holy God is in you. And no secret troubles you explain to me the vision of my dream I've seen in its interpretation. Let me talk to you about it. He's, God is showing him what's coming. Now listen to what I'm going to say right now. You live in Florida. I know that's not new news for you. It is very common for the weather patterns in the Sahara Desert to create trouble for us. Now, rather than pretend like 
they don't happen, why don't you prepare? One year, Lisa and I had one of those old generators that you got to every time, every year you got to take the carburetor in and have it rebuilt before hurricane season comes. I got tired of it. I got a propane generator and it has electric motor. You walk out and you go, and it just lights up my house. That's called intelligence. Why do I have one? I live in Florida. The new addition that I've just built, you ought to see the steel and concrete I poured in that sucker. We built the generator so that during any trouble, it will light up our bedroom, the shower, the well, and the stove, and we won't even know it's going on. You might, but we won't. We will, the, the weather channel will be gone. That's how we know. I mean, the bushes will be out moving like this outside. But we've prepared. One of the things that God is doing to Nebuchadnezzar is trying to prepare him for what's coming. I'm trying to prepare you. Get your house in order. Because something's coming. And I don't want you to go, oh, I didn't, I didn't do too good. Well, if you're, if you're ready and your well's working and then you have extra water and you have generator and you also have candles and we have a fireplace and we have a grill... Come on, it's just a little matter, a little thinking. That's not fear, it's intelligence. When I got my pilot's license, I can teach you to fly an airplane in 30 minutes. It'll take me a year to teach you to land it and go through all the trouble it can give you. Because it can give you trouble. You get up there and the fan turns off, it makes you sweat. But there's something you can do about it. I have a friend that has an Aztec and, and uh, his, uh, his fuel line froze up and, and he landed it. He just landed it on a road, dropped the gear. There's a way to, to manually crank the gear down and parked it on a road in Colorado up in the mountains. Had to take it apart to get it out of there. But he didn't die because he prepared. Okay. So God is getting a dream so he'll get ready. He's also talking to you, so you and I'll get ready. Are we going to get ready? Yes. All right, verse 10. And, and these are the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, behold, a tree was in the middle of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the end of the earth. This, was, this used to be Iraq and Iran. Did you know that? Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heaven dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. And I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, there was a watcher, a holy one came down from heaven and cried aloud and said, chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. And let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth bound with a band of iron of bronze and the tender grass of the field and let it be wet with dew in heaven and let him graze and let him graze with the beast. And on the grass on the earth, let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given the heart of a beast." Now, I want you to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold them in your place. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go someplace. I'm going to read again what we just read. Now, listen to this.
Romans 1.28. Don't go there. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. What's happening in America? People have become debased in their thinking. Now, I'm saying this because don't you listen to me. It's not just sinners. There's Christians who are becoming debased in their mind. Now, let's go back to Daniel, and I'm going to show you here's why this happens. God turned Nebuchadnezzar, and he, and he took his hand off of him. Now, there is a God, and you're not him. You were not designed to live on this earth without God. You're not going to fix anything. But God can and God will. All right, let's, let's, let's finish reading this. Verse 17, the decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and God gives it whoever he will and sets over it the lowest of men. In other words, God takes down, God lifts up. God does. You don't. When you came to Jesus, he lifted you. You didn't lift you. And if you don't know Jesus, there's nothing you can do. You're not coming out of condemnation. I don't care how many, how many fights you make. You know the, what's going on in Israel right now? I'm going to give you a little politics. Do you realize that there's an election going on? It just got through between Netanyahu and the other guy. Do you know who is behind the, the other branch of government trying to come in? George Soros. Some of y'all caught it. See, he's doing in Israel what he's trying to do here. He's a former Jew that worked with, with Hitler. See, some of you, some of you people, I, I really wish you would learn what's going on. I, I really wish you knew what was happening. Because he's trying to overthrow the sovereignty of America and Israel. He's a wicked, wicked man. And he's a billionaire and he's using his money to get people to rise up and try to fix it without God. It's created a mess. And there's Christians who are a part of the mess. Verse 19. And Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. And the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Answer me. My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. For the tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached the heavens, which could, not be seen, could be seen in all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beast of the field dwelt, and the branches of the birds in the heaven, it's you, king, it's you. Are you getting this? God said, and I'm going to show you in a minute why he did this. He said, I made you. I put you in that position. I'm the one that set you in that seat. I'm the one that blessed the earth because of you. It's you, O king. 
You have grown and become strong for your greatness has grown and reaches the heaven and your dominion to the end of the earth. All right, now I'm going to skip all this. Go down to 25. And they're going to drive you from men. And your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field and you're going to eat grass like an ox. And they will wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times will pass over you till you know the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to who he chooses. And what's he doing? I, this is going to happen until you know who's God. Is it me or is it you? Who's God? Now you might, you might think, well, what are you preaching that to us for? Because the temptation has always been the same in the garden. Did God say? Well, I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I'm going to tell you what I think about that. Well, that means one of y'all is God. God wanted Eve to go. That's what he said. Don't eat it. Well, how does the tree look? Looks good. Are you going to eat it? No. How come? God said don't. Oh, come on. It'll make you wise. It might. Well, are you going to eat? No. God said. See, the whole battle is who's God? Are y'all out there? Did you go home? And this is how Satan gets into people. This is how he gets in. This is his inroad. So Nebuchadnezzar's done. He's got a great kingdom. And by all outward appearances, he did it. America, we think we're hot snot. We might just be a cold booger. Take that off the tape. America is the greatest nation on the earth. It is the greatest nation on the earth. But I'm going to tell you right now, I give him glory. Now, I remember where I came from. I remember being poor. I remember being broke. I remember living in a house with no carpet, no heat, no air conditioning. I remember sitting in the bathtub and looking at the stars at night because the ceiling was missing in the bathroom. I remembered jumper cables so I was guaranteed I'd get home. I remember carrying a gas can, not ever knowing whether I was going to need the extra gas to get anywhere. I remembered what it was like to go into the grocery store with one of them little things because you had to stop when you ran out of money because you didn't have the money to finish. And you had to buy cheap food in order to eat. I remember that. But I remember the day I came to Jesus. I remembered walking the aisle. I remember getting washed in the blood of Jesus. I remembered going home and getting, and getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember God getting me a job. I remembered prospering. I remember getting out of debt. I remember God took me off to Bible school. I remember that he anointed me. I remember that he set me on high. But I remember it. 45 years later. I'm not ashamed. I give him glory. My concern is, have you forgotten where you came from? Our generation has no idea the blood that was spilled for the freedom that we enjoy. Come on. This concerns me. Should you? I want you to look at verse 27. Daniel is talking to the king. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sin by becoming righteous, that your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. 
perhaps there'll be a lengthening of your prosperity. The pulpits of America are ringing. Break off your sin. Break off your adultery and your homosexuality and your fornication. Break off the drug. Break off the selfishness. Break the sin. Get the sin out. Let's go to God and get under the blood again. If there's a problem with America, I'm going to tell you where it is. It's in the pulpit. The pastors are the reason for the falling away of America. The most powerful office in the land. Right here. We trump, trump. But we're the ones that have let this thing fall. Verse 28. And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking around his royal palace. And the king spoke and said, Is not this great Babylon I built? For a royal dwelling by my mighty power, for the honor of my majesty, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at what I did. Very dangerous thing. And while, he was, while the word was in his mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it's spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. There is a God, and you're not him. I'm going someplace with this, but I'm going to tell you right now where I'm going. You don't have a problem that taking a knee won't fix. Remember when we had altars in churches? We didn't have the problems we do today. People came up, spent time with God. Come on. And they're going to drive you from men, and your dwelling will be in the beasts of the field, and, and you're going to eat grass like an ox, and seven times will pass over you to, until you know. That the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives it to whoever he chooses. And that very hour the word was filled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and, and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers. And his nails like bird's claw. I said this to you and, 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 and I'm going to say this again. If you're going through hell right now, we're going to take communion. Fix it. Fix this. There is nothing going on in you that Satan has done that the blood cannot fix. You cannot get so far from God. The blood can't reach you. You can't sin so bad. The blood can't wash it. You cannot go so far from God that the blood cannot lift you and restore you back to where you belong. This is not a cute thing we do. This is a time, it's a solemn time where we go to God and go, there is a God and it's not me, give me the communion. <laughs> because once the, once the blood is applied, God treats you like you've done no wrong. You can start over today. How do you know when you're in fellowship with God? People in fellowship with God sing. 
I'll show you that in a minute. Ready? You ready? Verse 34. At the end of the time, I Nebuchadnezzar lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High God and I praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, his kingdom from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what did you just do? At the same time, my reason returned to me, my glory of my kingdom, my honor, my splendor returned to me, my counselors and my nobles were restored to me, and I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me, and now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven, and whom works are truth, and his ways are justice, and, who, who do, and those who walk in pride, he is able to pull you down. Don't go through that. I'll come over here and preach. Say, I won't. Say, there is a God. I'm not him. Now, we read in Romans a while ago. One of the reasons that this nation went down is we have failed to give him glory. When God is moving, you give glory to God. Woo, I got to raise glory to God. I have a good job. Glory to God. Boy, I have a good wife. Glory to God. Man, I have a good church. Glory to God. God is good to me. God is good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That'll keep you out of trouble. I want to tell you something this woman God gave me. I don't know why in the world God gave her to me. I could have married that other woman. And I don't know what in the world God was doing. And then this job, I hate, this job sucks, it sucks. I got a boss and I hate his guts, this job sucks. They don't appreciate me, shut up. Oh my God, come on, I'm doing better than y'all, amen. Come on, come on, come on, come on. We know, we know your life isn't perfect. Can you not find something good? Stop complaining about everything, whining about everything. If you came in here and you missed your opportunity to worship God during the worship service, maybe we'll give you another opportunity before you get out of here. Come on, God. You don't need a band to sing. Open up. All right, I got one more scripture. Psalm 100. Come on, glory to God. <laughs> you know, I, I sing at home, and I, and I know I mess the words up. And when I don't know what I'm doing, I go in there and ask Lisa, and she writes them down for me. Then I go back in my room and sing a little while. If I don't know the words, I'll make up my own. That's the reason why during the worship service, you hear me going off, don't follow me. I'm just making up stuff. I just... Hi, sounds good to me, hallelujah. I just give him glory. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Serve him with gladness. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I thank God even for my enemies. How would I ever learn to walk in love without some of y'all?
Love is patient. Y'all have helped me. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. I'm trying to help us. Know the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know the Lord. He's God. He made your body. You didn't make yourself. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. The Lord is good. His mercy is from everlasting. His truth endures to every generation. He says that his mercies are new every morning. You screwed it up all day today. Tomorrow's coming. Start over. Get up in the morning and go, glory to God. I got another day to start again. Isn't God good? Romans 1 told us what happened to the earth. I'm asking you, don't let that happen to you. You can give him glory. There's a scripture, and I don't have time to preach on it. Book of Revelation, he said, you've left your first love. Remember. I think it's good to go back and remember. I just did. When I got saved... I lived in a house with no heat and air condition. There was two families in this house, and the house wasn't as big as the foyer. We had a pot-bellied wood stove for heat, and guess who split wood? Guess what time it went out at night? Pine don't burn all night. I remember being hungry. I remember being out of work. I remember that. I remember the cops carrying me to jail. I remember the dogs chasing me. I remembered God answering that prayer. I remember the day I got saved. I remember the day he washed me in the blood. I remember that day. I remember the day he redeemed me and healed my body. I remember the day he got me out of debt. I remember my first new car. I remember that. Sometimes you got to go back and go, you've been so good to me. Don't take... Don't take, don't take it for granted. Where's the tissue, baby? Are y'all ready for communion? Today we've um, asked Pastor Justin. To come up and he's going to serve communion to you. And I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. He got ordained by Mark Hankins in Louisiana. And we, and we don't have the videos yet, but we're going to have them for you very soon. And when Mark comes, we're going to have a second service for y'all. But as of now, let's turn this over to Pastor Justin. Well, praise the Lord. You know, um, talking about communion, I remember when Dr. Varallo earlier this year or last year said something to me. She said, you should take communion every night. And I kind of thought when me and her were talking, I said, isn't that kind of later we were talking, I'm like, wouldn't people think that's religious? And she said, we've moved past the religious ritual, but coming into your house and taking communion every night remembers what Jesus did at the end of your day. Yeah. You know, um, and I kind of, she goes, it's something you do to express to him. And uh, I started doing it. And, um, you know, I don't do it every night, but I take it as often as I can. 
Because when you get to the end of your day and you're at a stressful day and you're not even thinking about God that day, you get to the, you know, you come into your house, you take the cracker and the blood, and the, not the blood, uh, hopefully you're not drinking blood, and the, uh, the grape juice, and you remember what Jesus did for you. And then you get your focus back on him. And that really turns, you know, you go to bed with a, with a sweet, thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for your body. Yeah. I'm going to read a few scriptures and a few quotes. Now, now, we may walk right into the very holy of holies where God is because of the blood of Jesus, Hebrews 10, 19. Let us, as members of his family, we're of his family, we're of God, we're born again, exercise our right of access and press closer and closer to the Father. We must come with a childlike faith and an unshakable assurance that he is eager to receive us. Now it says come closer and closer to me, taking communion often just keeps bringing me closer and closer and keeps bringing a revelation of the blood of Jesus. Now I want to talk about what is Jesus's body because we're going to take the cracker. I'm going to go through the body and the blood and then we'll pray and, and confess at the end. The veil is the temple that was torn. Thank you. When Jesus died, Hebrews 10:20 says through the veil, that is to say his flesh, according to this verse, the veil blocked the entrance into the Holy of Holies, which was his body of Jesus. When his flesh was torn, we were granted access into Christ, into the very Holy of Holies. Yeah. The only people who could ever enter into the presence of God was a chosen man. He was not only a priest, he was a very high priest. He was the highest priest in the land. He was ordained. He was set apart for worship and service. And he went into the Holy of Holies. Now think about this. Only the high priest could go in once a year and enter into the Holy of Holies for just the, the sins to be covered, not that they were even eradicated, just to be covered till next year. Now Jesus is allowing through his body for you to come back in. He's treating you as a priest now. I'm thinking, talking the highest priest of the land of Israel is only allowed in once a year. I mean, imagine how many people would want to get into the presence of God. Now Jesus is saying, you can come in as a high priest because I'm a high priest and now I'm in you and you and me and we're in the Father. The body of Jesus was torn and broken and as soon as he was hit and opened and his body opened, Think about this, Jesus was a walking dimension of eternity. He was a walking dimension of the presence of God and his body had to be ripped open so man can go right through his body because God in eternity was on Jesus. And he had to go right in, we went right in through the body, his flesh, that's why the temple tore right in half, everything tore right down the middle. The presence of God came out and we were allowed to go in through the flesh of Jesus. And then once the flesh opened, the blood began to run. It ran when he was beaten. It ran at the cross. And the third place it ran, there's three places, was in the, um, at the mercy seat of God. God views us now looking through the blood. And we view God through the blood. That means you're not supposed to look at your sin. Because he's looking at you through the blood and we're looking at him through the blood. And so the blood, I'm, I'm just talking right now. We're going to pray in a second. Uh, when a child was circumcised, he entered into a covenant. Then that child became an inheritor of everything that was connected with the covenant. E.W. Kenyon. In the old covenant, there had to be a perfect sacrifice, animal offering to anyone for sins, and receive the blessings of that covenant. The word covenant means to cut until the blood flows. Clay tremble. 
A meeting with God is no small thing. If you had access to God, then somebody had to bring you in. Jesus Christ gave us access and brought us in with his credentials before God. Somebody, someone may ask, how do you have a meeting with God? I have access through the blood of Jesus, Mark Hankins. Welcome to God's economy and welcome to God's resources. The blood faith grants us access into the heavenly economy and resources of God. As our faith increases, we access more and more of the benefits of perfect redemption because without faith, remember, it's impossible to please God. And if you're gonna access the benefits of God and the inheritance of that covenant, you're gonna have to study that out. I love something Dr. Varala said is that, is how big God is in your soul will be the manifestations of God in your life because God only works by faith. And if you don't have it in here, if you don't have victory inside, you don't know what the blood has done, I mean, then you're not gonna have the benefits of the covenant. And so let's make a confession for the body right now. Say, thank you, Jesus, for paying the price with your body so I can enjoy the presence of my Father. Your body was broken for me so I can have access into the throne room. Your body was broken so I can be engrafted into you. Now take the bread. Now the blood of Jesus, I think I keep asking God every night, keep showing me about the blood. Keep showing me about the blood because more and more revelation keeps bringing more, more appreciation for what he's done. We're gonna say this, say, I receive my inheritance and take my position in Christ through the blood of Jesus. And I have, comp I have perfect communion with God. When I plead the blood, I'm justified. God blots out my sins and he will remember them no more. I have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus. I win my case by pleading the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, over my mind, over my past, over my future, and over my conscience. Let's take the blood. If God doesn't remember your past, quit thinking about it all day long. It's a disgrace to what Jesus did the price he paid, he took on a human body and he poured out all of his blood. It says he still has flesh and bones to this day with no blood because of what he did. And he'll be forever like that. And don't take it lightly. Don't think about your past all day long. Jesus paid way too high a price for you to walk around in condemnation and guilt. Hey, thank you for coming. Um, I'm gonna pray over us real quick. Can we have our altar workers come up? If you would like prayer for anything, the Bible says two or three gathered. In my name, in my midst, ask anything and it'll be granted to them. If you have any other prayer today that you'd like to have prayed for, it's nice to get an agreement with somebody. If you're new, we have a gift for you out at the information booth. We'd love to stay in contact with you and thank you for coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for the blood. We thank you that Jesus has brought us into the very throne and presence of God that man in the Old Testament had no right into. 
But now we are king and a priest to you. We thank you. We remember the blood. We remember it. And as often as we take it, we remember Jesus and what he did. We thank you that we have a place to meet. We're thankful for our church with AC, nice cushy seats. And we thank you for everything that you're going to continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.